Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and your host for Media Mavis Podcast. And I'm super excited to have David Carpenter, the CEO and founder of Gameotics here with us on the show today. Hi, David. Hello, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. It was so good having you on. We've been chatting away till I had to say, wait, we're on a podcast. Like, let's talk about Gameotics because what we're chatting about a while ago is leadership and the gaming industry has blown up with the metaverse. And I love that. You took the deep dive into being a startup CEO during COVID and you launched Gameotics. I'm going to ask you this so we can tell the story here. What made you decide to all of a sudden be in the startup space and launch a gaming company the past two years? Well, so it's it's a software company, right, that is bringing gamification into the live entertainment space, right? So... I have 22 years experience working in live entertainment. I've been a Broadway producer. I was a lead producer on Broadway, which is kind of the, one of the highest levels that you can get to. But I also produced an off-Broadway show called Puffs, which is a parody of the Harry Potter universe that I ran in New York for three years. It's a really big hit. And it's now the number two most licensed produced show in the U.S., right? Nice. So I, you know, my interests in this, right, are are coming at this from a fan, like coming at this from a gamer, right? Because I'm a big video gamer, a big board gamer, right? It's always been a part of my life, right? But working in live entertainment, working in theatrical live entertainment for as long as I did, it was always like what I did after work, right? So like about back in 2016, the my passion started to collide because I was trying to figure out how you bring a branching narrative experience, right? Like, like what they would call like a choose-your-own-adventure style experience into the live space. And what I realized is that there wasn't this mechanism that allowed the live audience in a theater or wherever, right, who's watching live entertainment have the ability to make decisions or take agency over the experience they're watching to change it, right? And so like as a video gamer and even a board gamer, the choices you make during your playing, right, Determine how well or how poorly that's going to go in the experience you're having. And I was just kind of dumbfounded that there was no tool to be able to do this. So I, I got very lucky and I met a uh, this uh, software engineer out of California who at one time in his life was the, the senior architect of the PlayStation Gaming Network. And we started collaborating on what this mechanism would look like, right? what this tool would look like. And back in 2016, it was like, oh, you got to make it an app. And I was like, but we can't make it an app, right? Because if I'm a, if I'm going to see a show or if I'm going to event, if I'm going to a concert or whatever it is, right, to experience live entertainment and the content wants to interact with me, if you're running late or you're not organized or whatever it is and you show up at the event and they're like, oh, in order to participate, you have to download an app. That's a really high barrier to entry for that for that consumer. Because I always tell people, it's like, especially as, producer, especially as a producer, it's enough we got them to buy the ticket. Please don't ask them to do more, right? Well, I think I think you're you're gamifying the experience. You know, as yeah. an agency, we do a lot, a lot of experiential, so many events we've done with AG, Sony Sports, and you know, because we produce the awards. My big issue when you have any live event, whether it's a conference, a game, anything, museum, amusement, brands need to stay live before, during, and after the event's over. And it's all about that experience and that engagement with their consumers that's going to keep them coming back right. for more. And I think 
It's weird. I mean, it's not funny, I guess. Funny, not funny. When COVID first shut down right before you launched the company, I was keynoting and opened the 20, oh my God, what year are we? 2020? Yeah, 2020 wine conference, marketing and tourism conference. I opened it and I was all about experiential, the experiential to track, retain and maximize the pain points of brands. And it was a weird time when COVID hit, but I felt like that's when people needed to open up and say, hey, look, we're all at home. How do you play that experience when you're not at a live event? And I, I feel wow. like the strategy behind taking what you're doing and gamifying the experience doesn't need to be, it needs to be live. We all miss that, but there's so much of what you're doing to keep the audience engagement. Oh, that's, and that's the key, right? And, and it starts at entry, right? So, yeah. you know, first things first is like remove the pain points, like make it pain-free, right? And so that was the original discussion around the software saying it must be web-based and accessible from your phone, right? Because the, the, the very first thing that I said was, Everyone's going to be walking into live entertainment. They have a smartphone in their pocket, right? And this was in, in 16. It was like, there are 3 billion of them in the world and there are more now, right? So like, let, let's stop this idea that they don't already have the tool with them. And I even say, I mean, I always tell people, it's like, it's not a phone anymore. Stop calling it a phone, right? It's a tool that unlocks oh, a It's a multimedia device. Because when we started the mobile, the mobile excellence awards 15 years ago, when mobile was a standalone, right. we progressed to the media because it's now a multimedia like piece of equipment wherever you are. Did you have to shift? And this is a great, like I want to talk to you about, you know, why you did this more, but as a CEO, you're, you're obviously leading not just an industry, but your teams. Did you have to make a great shift when we all be, went on lockdown to keep oh, yeah. that experience going? Or did you enter this knowing you have that, aha, I have a solution that could parlay beyond the lockdown? Well, I, I, I will say this for me, COVID was a forced me to create a laboratory right? Uh, that's what happened on COVID, which ended up being very beneficial towards the development of the company. So what had happened was I had a theatrical production company. I still have it technically, right? And But I went through a very bad split with my former business partner, right? But at the end of that, and this was right at the beginning of 2020, I took control of the companies, including this technology company, because it had been a side project while I was off doing other things. And I made the decision to dedicate myself full-time towards bringing this idea of gamification in the live entertainment space. And I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for this software startup idea. I'm going to do it because then the reason really, you asked why, you know, why I wanted to do this is because I couldn't let go of this idea. Right. And I'm being very honest when I say this, like I couldn't get this idea in my head of saying, how do I create different types of experiences that I want to see on stage that no one's ever seen before? How do I do this? And then in March, it all fell apart, right? Like, like I was raising money. I had decks. And then I all just, boom, went, in three days, everything went up in the air. But see, and, I don't think that's a bad thing because like, I, I feel like, you know, they always say is it's being a good leader. It's not how you stumble and fall. We are going to fall. It's how you pick yourself back up and how you keep going. That really, to me, is an indication of a good leader. And, you know, on a back pivot, yeah, it's, during COVID, that was a bad time. But I'm always like lean into tech. And the more strategic you are, the more you could thrive and survive. You're finding solutions at the worst of the moments to succeed and to turn it into a positive. To me, I, I have such mad respect that you decided to do this and you didn't just give up, walk away. 
in the beginning. You you persevered through this pretty well, which is impressive. So what, what we did was I stared at the wall for a day. They like, now what? And then I was like, wait a second. Live entertainment is shut down. Everyone's going to be moving online. I don't like streaming entertainment, to be perfectly honest with you, because it's, 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 I mean, like, I like well produced streaming entertainment. When we're talking about live, well, streaming live entertainment, I'm not a big fan of, to be honest with you. I don't like, you know, it's, it's tough to get those production values. But can I ask you, uh, is that, is that from being a producer in live events? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's tough. It's just tough for me. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not It's my, a hard it's experience to keep the fans engaged when versus so, being there in person. Yeah. So that was the premise, right? I said, what if we, use Kimiotics as a tool to be the audience engagement tool for wherever people are at home. And we put shows on on Zoom. And that's what we did. And in 18 months, I produced 20 hour long shows that were all use cases for the software. So we did branching narrative. We did murder mysteries. We did escape rooms. We did game shows. We did quiz shows. We, I mean, we did dating sims. We did a dating show. We did a Christmas show. I mean, like we did. And it, really what it was was I called my friends and said, you're all out of work collecting unemployment. I Let's put everybody's creative things to test. And then I started, it started working, right? We started doing this and audiences were like, this is so much fun. And we moved within a few months behind a paywall and we started selling tickets and building value. And at that point, like my investors were like, well, okay, here's money, right? And it wasn't as simple as that, obviously. If you ever raised money before, it's just a nightmare all the time. But <laughs> Like I was, I was driving at something and saying, Hey, I have a really good idea here. I don't know what the end point is, but I got a really good idea about audience interactivity fund me. And that's what we did. Right. And they, and I got, I got funded in angel funds for Gimiotics to about a half million dollars. And that then that gave me the runway. I was able to pay everybody who was working with me, but it gave me the runway to really start experimenting with the technology, what the technology could do as an interactive tool for, for live gamification of entertainment. Right. So, so that was kind of step one, right? And the fun part about it is like, I was able to, like with all, my friends and, and colleagues and people joined along the way, we were able to kind of create this new idea online. And then about a little over a year ago, I was like, can we not, I don't want to work online anymore. But when, it was, when the shutdown was starting to start ending to a degree, right? Yeah. And we were, things were starting to balance out and live entertainment was coming back. I said, look, this was purpose built for live entertainment right? For in-person entertainment. Let's start moving back in that direction. And at the same time, it was like, I have to actually concentrate on figuring out this, this direction for this software company when I need to go get my seed funding. And so, so we stopped, we shut down that, that online production company. And, and I went on my journey to get my seed funding, which started, which started last summer. And then at the same time, uh, I started building another experience, uh, which is called the 20 Sided Tavern, with uh, two partners, because that was one thing that was born out of the COVID for us, right? I was just going to ask you, twenty sided the twenty sided tavern is. I mean, is that really the crux of the um, shining that light and how great the software and what you guys are doing on this project? What twenty sided tavern is is that it's a it's a live action interactive Dungeons and Dragons style game experience, right? It is a giant branching narrative world, right? That that we start off with. The audience is using gameotics throughout the experience to make choices, make choices, take action. There's actually quite a lot of things that they can do within this experience that gives them stakes and agency, right? And a lot of people have been trying to bring this idea to the live entertainment because there's a massive amount of value in the live entertainment world, right? And a lot of people are trying to do it. No one's been able to practice because honestly, people don't want to go watch other people play a game, like play a board game, right? Or play, or play. You well, esports. Like, I mean, look, but esports came out of gaming. It's just a whole different multiplayer. Different, 
different, that's a totally different category than what uh, esports is a different category than what I'm doing right now, right? I'm talking about like for lack of a better term, like Vegas style entertainment, right? Like like a show, right? And what we discovered in the development of this is that there's a massive audience of people who are served by movies, by comic books, by television shows, by merchandise, by all of these things, but they're not being served with live entertainment. And we have been delivering this in the last six months and testing it now. We're still, we're, we're coming through our development phase right now. Our audiences are, are, are going crazy, right, for this thing, right? Because it's, it's, it's scratching it's feeding a need, right, for this particular audience, which I call, it, it's like the entirety of the Comic-Con audience, who don't want passive entertainment. They want to interact and have stakes in the experience that they're in. And one of the neat things that the software can do, right, is we have this system inside the software called the cohort system that based on a choice, because the software, sorry, just to back up one step, it, like I said, it's a two-way communication device between audience and content. You're interacting using the web browser on your phone, right? So in 20 Side Tavern, the first thing that happens is the audience walks into the space and they're handed a die, a, six, a six-sided die, red, green, or blue. And the first thing that we ask them is we, after they QR code in and, we're, and we open that communication, we say, what color die were you handed? And they choose. And then from that point on, they're assigned to what we call a cohort, either the fighter, the mage, the rogue. And there are moments in the show where only the people who are in the fighter cohort get to make the decision at that moment in time. So it is right? like the Game and of Thrones, but more interactive. So can I pick a character yeah, or do I get assigned to a team? You get assigned to a team, right? That's yeah. how it's working right now. But this have is a an, have an avatar. Can I build my avatar? Well, we don't because it's not because again it's mobile based. So there's only so much that, that we want to that we want to be able to do, right? Got it. But maybe you know maybe in future releases. But then collectively the audience gets choices at, at various points in time, right? There's a moment in the show where it's like, hey, do you want to come up on stage? And we can isolate a single audience member using the software, and then we pull up on stage, put them in a costume, and then they read lines because they're being fed to them on their phone, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's so we're just creating this ability for the audience to join in on the fun that's happening in front of them in a way that no one's ever really been able to do before. And we make it accessible by using this technology and the gamification of the experience in order to do so. So it's fun. And that's just like one thing that we're that I'm starting to build right now. It's just like, it's the fastest growing thing that I have, but it's this really cool thing. But so we're actually are literally to- stepping into the game and as a character, you can feed lines. I mean, you, you're Dungeons and Dragons, like, 3.0. This is amazing. Okay, I'm just going to back up a second here. Figure just so much we just unpacked here with this. I know there's a lot. I threw a lot at you. So yeah, like, no, I no, I love it. You know, it's all about it's all about having the conversations, real conversations. Is this a mobile app download, or can I go on a browser browser on my phone, or how do we get into play the Twenty Sided Tavern? So when you walk into the space, you you scan a QR code. Right. And that's it. Right. So it's it, so the QR code just opens up uh, the browser on your phone. That's it. Simple as that. And now, how do I get it? How do we get server. QR codes? How does everybody get a QR code? Last time we did it. I mean, they're either like like we project them on a screen or they're sitting on the seat in front of you or they're on the table that you're at. Like it's, this like it's is why you have the 20 side of Tavern, July 2024th in New York. And then you have another one in Edinburgh. OK, so you have to physically be there and then you just walk in QR and yeah. you're immersed with the whole thing. Yeah, we haven't moved to hybrid yet, but it's it'll come sometime in the next six months. But oh, right wait. now, we, yeah. So you have two. You have two live ones coming up. So we're doing a week in New York, and then we're playing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year, right? So we're going to be in Edinburgh all month. So our week in New York 
is the campaign that we're going to be running in Edinburgh. We're testing it out for our New York audience and then we're running it. And honestly, God, like I will be sold out within 10 days. I mean, we're selling a ton of tickets a day right now to this thing, which is great, right? But like, there's just a ton of fans who are out there. We built a fan base in New York for it. So they're going to see us off to Edinburgh. And then after Edinburgh, it hasn't been announced yet, but I can't really, I can't really announce it right here, but we have a major production coming up this fall that we're starting to put the pieces together that will run for about 12 weeks in a, in a, in a major market. Can you do one in LA so I could go? I've had some conversations in LA. LA for live entertainment is a tricky market, right? Because it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are tough days. No, like if you're in your car, you don't want to drive an hour out of your way to go see a show. It's a really, it's a really tough market to do a sit-down production there. I bought because I've, I've been to, I've spent a lot of time in LA. I think there is a, a world where we come into LA for a time, but it's a, it's a, it's turned out to be a trickier market to figure out from a live entertainment standpoint. Well, than, I mean, um, you know, we also have the traffic. Yeah, I know. Trust me, we've done so many events from fashion shows to tech. It's just you got to haul yourself across which could be a five miles, but 50 minutes just because with work. But I do think like anywhere else, people want something to do. They want to get back out. And that immersive experience, I think no matter traffic yeah. or not in LA would be huge. Honest to God, it's, a, it's an Excel spreadsheet question, right? Can I figure out an economic model for this show that can play? The, I mean, the answer is yes, we will figure it out, but we're yeah. just not quite there yet. We need to figure out like the bigger thing next before figuring out like, all right, because the thing is, is like what we, what in success with 20 Side Tavern, what we want to be able to do is certainly play a theatrical market, but also play Comic-Cons, right? Play, there's tons of Comic-Cons that happen all around the world every yeah. weekend. And the ability to take a show into that market and play for three days and be the evening's entertainment is exactly what we can add to the con to these to these types of experiences. So we're getting there as we're growing because the 20 Side Tavern is, is a startup in its own right, you know? And so we're just kind of building the product piece by piece right now, getting the traction, finding that success, and going into this marketplace and saying, all right, we have something that is financially viable, that we can tour, that we can bring everywhere. And but luckily, like we go back to that leadership thing. Five group of people who know what they're doing within this space, right? So there's a lot of it's a tricky thing about immersive and experiential entertainment. And you know this from producing experiential for brands, it can get really expensive. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, this yeah. is this is a whole like what I told you earlier, the right. whole metaverse. All these brands are throwing so much money out to do this whole big wild, wild west. We're free from COVID. Let's go. There's a new fun tech out there. But brands are now pulling back. There's no there there. So they're now saying, hold on. We want to go through a lot more meeting strategy. We're not in a hurry to jump. We already got to build our business back up from the losses. We need a there, there, a strategy, you know, to retract, retain, and maximize. Is it a product? Is it a digital twinning? Is it just another gaming environment that's immersive? I mean, brands are now starting to slow it down to say, okay, well, let's not just jump on the next quick, fun, pretty toy. And I think you're taking the right approach to this by what you're doing. So the Gameotic software, right, is the aha moment that I had during the pandemic was every time we did a new show or new experience for Zoom, my writers would come back and say, hey, can the software do this? And I'd go back to the engineers and say, hey, can we make the software do this? And we'd be like, okay, take a couple of weeks, but we can build that. And, right, and we build it and we put it in the show. So we just kept rolling out new features as we were going along. And there was a moment where we had been doing uh, post-event marketing emails, right? Saying, hey, thanks for coming. Here's a survey. Let us know what you think. And getting about a 5% response rate. I'm like, all right, that's decent data. 
But then we were able to deliver web links into the experience, right? So we actually said, all right, at the end of the show, say, hey, everybody, thanks so much for coming. We just sent a, a survey link to your phone, fill it out before you go, right? And because the audience, we were already in conversation with using the software. They were already on their phone interacting with us. And the last thing we asked of them before they left that night was, hey, take this two-minute survey, right? We got an 80% response rate instantly out of that audience. And I was like, well, that's different. Something has suddenly changed right now. And since then, that number is consistently sitting at about 40 or 50%, right? So 20 Side Tavern in Pittsburgh, we... We started surveying the second weekend, and of the like 2,000 people that we surveyed, 800 people uh, that we sent the election to, sent the survey link to, 800 people filled out that survey. So I walked from this experience in Pittsburgh with an enormous amount of consumer data and saying, gosh, I'm not wrong because I'm not going to get these numbers and this feedback and this data from 100 people. I have 800 people who saw the show who filled this out. So what I'm telling you about how valuable this experience is true. So when we're looking at brands and saying, we have this software that if you engage them in conversation, use it as a tool all the way through, then we can deliver a survey KPI like you've never seen before, right? That will allow you to actually really get some interesting data on the experience that you just had. And also, were you able to enforce brand loyalty by delivering this type of thing? So that's what Gaming Addicts is really after within the marketplace of saying, what are the KPIs? What are the things that you need to know from your customers? Let us engage your customers in conversation through gaming, through agency, through this experience that we're building. And then on the, on the way out the door, like we're going to get you some really pure real-time data about what just happened. And then that allows you to like make changes or, or take effects on what is going on instantly. Right. And that's really what we're after, right? Is really knowing what the customers think. Not they want to we want to know now, not seven days from now when they finally open that email. Yeah. So that yeah. So sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. This is amazing. I'm like so intrigued by this. The 20-sided tavern. Can you just like kind of like a cliff note? Is it I'm assuming it's funny. Oh, I mean, is it like that's the one thing I always undersell? It's so funny, right? It's just like this comedic roller coaster of you have five people on stage. You have this, this game master who, is, who has built this entire story world and is doing all these different characters as we're running through it like a D&D game, right? You have a tavern keeper who's on stage who's running the game mechanics of what's happening, right? And keeping track of the game because there are all these variables that are happening. And then you have three actors. And the, the joy is that the three actors don't know which character they're going to play when they come on stage that night, right? And so... That's the choice. That's the first series of choices that the audience makes is which character the actor is going to play. And then the actor's got to run backstage, throw on a funny costume, get with the other two actors, and then they come on stage as the party that night, and then they go on the campaign, right? And so the fun part about it is that we never know what exactly is going to happen. And obviously, since we wrote the show, we have a we, we know everything that can happen, but we actually never know what's going to happen that night. And then, of course, within this, you have the random chance of the die, which you have these moments where they got to roll die for something to happen, or, or right? And so you, we institute this element of just chance into all of this, right? That just keeps the suspense and the dramatic tension going all throughout. And so the actors are really amazing. The whole way that we've designed this experience is that everything we do is to give them opportunity to be funny. 
right? Like that's, that's a big part of what we're after is because their job is to entertain the audience and give us a show. And so we just create this environment that delivers on that on opportunity for them. And it's hysterical. The audience just have a blast and they're cheer and they scream and they like, we roll giant dives. There's all sorts of things that happen throughout the course of experience. And so one of the funniest things that we did is that when we were in Pittsburgh, we had a 10 PM show that was not selling, right? I mean, that's late at night for a two hour show, right? And so we sold, you know, maybe half of it. We're like, all right, let's invite the seven o'clock show, right? To come in for free to the 10 o'clock show and see what happens. And these people who had already been there for three hours stayed three more hours, right? Like half their audience stayed for like three more hours because they just couldn't get enough of the experience, right? And so like for us, that was like, and so they already played through the show once and they went through it and did it again. And so we got a totally different show because all the choices were totally skewed because everybody had had already had, like half the audience had already had one experience, right? So when we realized, we realized we were doing something right when we had people who invested six hours of their Saturday evening to us, right? We're like, gosh, that's, that's, that's pretty fantastic. I always say when you know you're, you've got it when it comes to production and entertaining, if you either make somebody laugh or cry, but you're yeah. evoking some emotions going to make them remember the experience one way or the other. If you can't make somebody laugh or cry, I, yeah, you know, you're doing something wrong because you've got to yeah. do all the experiential to evoke an emotion. And I love that people just were so into this. I mean, this is a perfect Comic-Con because you're going to start building these branded characters. People are going to start looking for it's kind of like on tv that game of thrones people got so obsessed with a specific character they were so emotionally attached that character on the screen like you like are moving into the space where it's more of a real-time interactive where i'd be at comic-con looking for my favorite 20 sided tavern character one of the examples that we use in our in our creative mix, I have two partners on this, right? That the three of us have created this experience together, and one is our story writer, and one is our uh, one is our game master of it. And one of the things that that as we were developing last fall, I kept saying to them, is saying we have to deliver the experience that's going to get the man in black from Westworld, right? Like, yeah, you know, if, you, if you ever saw Westworld, like like Ed Harris's character in the first two seasons is obsessed with finding the center of the maze, right? He had to get the solution. I said, there are going to be audience members, and we've already seen this happen, who come back over and over again because they have to know what happened on the alternate choice, right? And I said, we have to honor that fan because that's our best fan that we have is this person who is like, I need to know all the iterations of this thing. Because like, as a gamer, I am a completionist, right? I like, I love playing through everything. I want to know the whole world that has been created for me. And not every fan is like that, but that's where you get the best word of mouth, the best passion is the people who say, I spent hours trying to figure out this puzzle, figure out this thing, and it was worth it, right? So in our creating, it's like we take those ideas from the gaming world in order to honor these fans and say, we're going to make this hunt that you're on worth it, right? At the end of the day, and part of that is delivering on the comedy. Right. And the changing nature of the show, but also making sure that the pathways are different. And so one of the things that we built it that we can do that is there are some games that are able to do this is we built it as a dynamic story world, meaning that if you go in one room, you go in the library. Right. Then the apothecary catches fire and then something else happens, you know, down the road at the end of the show. Right. But if you went into the apothecary. Then the, then the treasury caught fire and then something different happens that different night, right? And so you have these pathways 
that are intersecting with each other that can deliver really different experiences depending on the variables that we have at play. I cannot begin to describe to you how complex the show is. Right? <laughs> no, like, is this say, you are literally taking SNL into a whole different immersive world with yeah. all the skits and actors and everything has a common tie. And I, it's tremendous. I was watching the new season of kids in the hall, right. That was absolutely brilliant. I mean, like I, especially from a nostalgia factor for me, yeah. right. Like I watched kids in the hall when it came out as a kid and like seeing them back up again, doing their comedy. And what I realized, like their commitment to their comedy, but their commitment to the long form sketch was a similar concept that we'd taken in. It's like, we are doing a very long form, complicated sketch that these actors are having to keep a pace with. And that's really cool, right? So it is that kind of like, it is that SNL improv idea, but it's really long form, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean like, but that's the, so, but that's the platform. And GameX, again, GameX is just a tool that we use to be able to build this type of thing. And without that interactivity, without that stakes and that agency for the audience, it's not possible. You're leaning into tech to deliver entertainment, which is such a great intersection to be in and you're doing it well. Let me ask you a question, if I can. What is your favorite character from the 20-sided tavern? Do you have one? Oh. Without giving away any, without giving away any, you know, any of the good stuff, who is your favorite character and why? I, I can't. They're I, like... They're all I, your I, kids. I, oh, no, I can't. Like, it's so, <laughs> it's so hard. Like, I, I really can't because, like, the actors who, and the performers who are part of our company who do this, are delivering some magic on stage, right? And my partner, uh, David Laws on this, David was, still occasionally, was working in Drunk Shakespeare here in New York for years, right? And and he was a, and the reason why this thing came about is he was a, he was a dungeon master for Neil Patrick Harris's kids and their play group, but I think he still does a little bit, right? And started talking with, you know, a little bit with Neil being like, I really want to figure out how to do this as a show. Neil's like, you should, right? So you got encouragement, you know, from Neil, so you took but David working in the comedy pit that is Doug Chaser, which is an, kind of an amazing experience, right? Was really insistent when we built this that each actor needs to come with a different comedic skill set, right? And the blending between the three skill sets of them on stage is going to allow us to have a better experience. Because if you have three people who are way too forward, then it's not going to balance itself out. So we have actors who are each delivering a different type of comedic skill set. And our training process internally is saying, how do we blend these successfully on stage? How do you guys set up opportunities for each other on stage in order to be able to run with it? So it's really hard. It's like when people are like, what's your favorite video? What's your movie? It's like, I need, I need to drill down in more detail than that because <laughs> there's aspects of it that what they yeah. each do, which are just stunningly brilliant and how they entertain the audience. Well, right? it's laws of attraction. The fact that they have that chemistry to interact and come and go and play off each other is tremendous. And I know we're running out of time here. Do you like, I mean, you've been a producer on Broadway. You've got a great track record as a producer. I love that you're embracing the tech and bringing that all to the surface. Do you like it better being a CEO of a startup or? Oh my God. Oh my God. I love Broadway. I love, yeah. I love Broadway. It's not a real business. It is unfortunately has been unable to adapt to the modern. But is this world. the best of both worlds? You're able to monetize it and get more creative and grow? Or do you really like being in the startup world right now? I love being this, I love being in the startup world. I love building an entertainment. The 20 Side Tavern is an entertainment company that I'm building as a startup as well, right? It's its, it's, its own startup in its own yeah. right, you know? And I love how it's done. I love that. 
how my partners in 20s at Tavern are so incentivized by being partners in this company, right? That they're really like looking at this and saying, gosh, what we build, we can truly get rewarded for one day. On the gameotic side, I love the idea that this software that I created can be in everyone's hands one day, right? That everyone can create stories the way that I'm creating stories of great experiences when I create experiences. And I love the democratization of technology and software in order to provide opportunity and creativity to people. Like, I love it so much. It's so hard when you're working on a vertical like Broadway where you can't share the IP, yeah. right? You can't license the IP in a, in, a, in, a, in a large way. And that was the most frustrating thing about Puffs, to be honest with you. Puffs, which is a brilliant play, and it was a wonder to produce for three years. It's protected by parody law. And Ms. Rowling and her team of lawyers were very aggressive with me for three years, but they couldn't get around U.S. parody law, right? I mean, she could have sued me, but she wouldn't have won. Like, there's no way it was going to happen. I mean, she threatened to enough times, right? But it gate-locked me in the U.S., right? So it's the number two produced show in the U.S., and it'd be the number two produced show globally, right? Except it can't be because the parody laws are not the same country to country, right? There's different risks about it, right? And so for th- this is also an evolution of my frustration about saying, I've got a great product that I can't take global. I need to go build something that I have the power to be able to do that. And this blend of the startup and the technology space is, is providing me the gateway and the opportunity to do that because I do have the ambition for it that way, yeah. right? And when we built 20-sided tavern purposely to be able to play a theatrical proscenium market or play a Comic-Con market or four-wall or play in taverns or play whatever. We really wanted to build something flexible because I'm really, you know, one thing that the movies do very well is they take their, and the TV is they take their content to where their consumers are. And that's really hard to do in live entertainment. And so I'm building something to go where the consumers are instead of begging them to come to major markets all the time. I so love this. Like, I feel like, like this is such a bigger ongoing conversation of what you're doing. Honestly, I think seriously, you are taking the best of what you did pre-startup and you're bringing it to life, which is um, you're bringing characters to life, which I think is amazing. So for anybody who wants to purchase the tickets and experience this, where is the best place to send everybody? Is it the 20-sided tavern versus gameotics? Where can people go to find more about this and actually attend? The upcoming uh, events. So if you want to see the 20 Sided Tavern, right, you just go to the20sidedtavern.com, right? You could, and, and our tickets are on sale for, for New York and for Edinburgh. You can get through it on the Gameotics site. I do want to mention one more thing about, about Gameotics that I wanted to touch on. The 20 Sided Tavern is, is, is obviously very big and very important. But one of the things that we're starting to explore right now, I mean, gamification of experience and gamification of space is something that we're really after. And, one, and we're, I, yeah, I'm developing a prototype right now that allows for the gamification in a museum space, right? Where the realization that we had is with our software, you can take a museum and turn it into an escape room without having to build an escape room. That you can create live action running dynamic puzzles and questions and tours, even if it's an audio editor, take this idea and move it into from linear storytelling and a linear experience into a dynamic experience based on agency. And I think that's a really exciting concept to be able to, in a positive way, affect existing spaces and using simple technology and this software to be able to gamify it, to create new entry points for new consumers, right? Because it's easy. Because again, it's pain-free for them to be able to do it. So when we're looking at 20 Side Tavern, it's that idea 
of a platform to be able to build dynamic storytelling. And that's really what I'm after. So yes, come see 20 Side Tavern. You have to see how we do it in, in that space. But I'm after bigger things. And I'm lucky that I got funded and I'm off and running and figuring that out right now and trying to you know, add staff and, and refine the software and do all that. And I'm very grateful for it. So it's been a positive experience for me. It's such a great journey to see you go this far. For anybody who wants to reach out to you, where is the best place to send them to find you directly? Uh, straight through Gimiotics. I mean, my email address is david at gimiotics.com. I'm easy to find. Oh, you just said that publicly. <laughs> <laughs> right. So for investors and everybody out there, I was so awesome to have you on here. You will keep us posted and keep us up to speed on how you evolve because I definitely want you to come back on the show when you're able to talk a little bit more about the 20-sided tavern, once you get your next few shows down, what your next move is. Uh, it is tremendous having you on the show and talk to you about converging Broadway and, and experiential and bringing it to life. I honestly, because when I first was chatting with you, I'm like, oh, okay, gaming, yeah, it'd be great to have a good gaming, but you're not a gaming company. Like this is such an experiential experience, so much more than being a gaming company. It's so much more than being a game company. Yeah. Like we are we are a platform, right? But it's more than that. So yeah. that it's been tough for us to be able to define ourselves, but it's also like that's also kind of fun because we're making up the de- definition as we go along. Yeah, no, I think you'll find a better definition as you get through more shows. You'll you'll get into your pace on this. Oh my God, it was so good having you on the show. David, keep us posted. I want to come get involved with the 20th Tavern. So I think now I need a trip to New York to come have good coffee and go take in a show. But it was so good. Congratulations on everything. Look forward to following more coming from the company. Thank you so much for being on the show. Great, thanks for having me. This is Sarah Miller from Media Mavis Podcast. Thank you so much, David Carpenter. And we'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavis Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.